We are, as I mentioned, in a uh, series that we started a couple weeks ago and we'll be going for the next uh, five weeks or so, talking about creating community and what does it look like to create the kind of community that uh, Jesus calls us into and invites us into and what does it look like really to develop uh, better friendships if you want to kind of simplify community in some way. What does it look like to have biblical friendship? We could put it that way as well, but we're talking about this idea over uh, the next uh, several weeks, and you can uh, listen to the first two on our website if you want to do that, and I uh, would encourage you to, to do so if you've missed them, because this is such an important component of who we are as a church. We don't believe that we're just supposed to be individual Christians, but that, as I said, life, uh, life with Jesus is experienced in community, that the Christian life is the community life. And so uh, this is a big, 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 big deal for us as a church of what does it look like to be a community. Um, and tonight uh, we are talking again about this idea. I have uh, two little sisters. One of my sisters is 11 years old and um, I'm only 16. Some of you are like, how do you have an 11 year old sister? But I just look a little older. But um, I, have, uh, I, have, I have a little sister and we were talking to her a couple weeks ago and she was saying that when she grows up, her big ambition, she wants to be a cashier, and was like, it's like, yes, this is good, um, because a lot of us, we want, when we grow up, you know, we want to be something, and it doesn't happen, you know, but a cashier, that's achievable, that's like, you could probably do that in a couple years, you can reach your life's goals, you know, you can do it, you can be a cashier, I feel comfortable telling you, you can be whatever you want, because, you know, it'll happen, you will be a cashier, um, but the, the funny thing is you think about little kids and even from a young age, and maybe part of that is socialization that we're kind of told to think like that. But from a young age, we think about who is it that we will become? Who is it that we will be? We don't want to just stay where we are. We do have dreams and ambitions and things that we long to grow into and long to become, right? We, we all have that. And that might be uh, objective goals like being a cashier or she also said maybe she was interested in being a lawyer because there was so much paperwork and she loves paperwork. It's like I think there's a little more to it than that but um, anyways but we, we want to become more or kind of evolved from what we are right and you can think about that even spiritually that we may be somebody that's impatient and we long to be a more patient person or we're somebody that uh, doesn't really have a lot of joy and we want to become a more joyful person and we're somebody that uh, is kind of always on edge or irritable and we hope to be someone with a little more peace and contentment or whatever it is that we're, we all find ourselves, I hope, in this place and long to become more, right? We long to grow in some way. We long to experience not just the the us that's here, but an us that could be, an us that is growing and, and different in some way. That's something that we each and all long for, and it's something that Jesus wants for us too. Like when Jesus looks at our lives, he feels the same way we do in that regard, that he looks at our lives and doesn't want us to just stay where we are, but he has hopes for us, and he wants us to become more than we are, and not just us individually, but even as a community. And I can say this even just with our church, that when Jesus looks at our church, he doesn't just look at it and go, man, this is great, and I hope it always stays this way. But what Jesus' desire is for us as individuals, but even collectively as a community, is that we grow, that we are here, and that we would move here. And I'm not talking about in numbers, although I think he wants that as well, because there's more people that Jesus cares about. But I'm talking about the qualities that Jesus goes, you're here, and I want you to grow into this 
to become something different and more than you are. One of the ways the Bible talks about this is in this language here in 1 Peter. And there's a lot in here. We're not going to look at all of this. But he says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And we would agree those are negative um, ways that a community functions. And, and Peter is saying, okay, you're, you're there now, but don't stay there. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. So you, there's this growing that Jesus wants, not just an individual, but here he's writing to a community. He wants the community to grow up into salvation, if indeed that you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, so as we come to Jesus, a living stone, now he kind of switches metaphors from uh, being a baby and growing up, he switches it to building metaphor. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, so he's talking to the church, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what, what Peter says here is this. He says, he says that right now there's some elements in the community, but God wants them to grow up. Right now, they're here, but he wants them to grow up into this. He uses different metaphors. He wants them to grow up into mature adulthood, not to be babies anymore. And he also uses the language of a temple or spiritual house, saying, look, you're a, you're a brick, and, and you're, a, you're a foundation, and you're a, you're a piece of drywall. But I want, I want you to be built up into the spiritual house, something that's beautiful. If you think of a temple or um, you think of something that you've seen, some architecture that you've seen that's, that's just gorgeous. And what Peter is saying is God looks at us and says, you're stone, but you're being built up into this house. You're a baby, but, but Jesus wants you to grow up into salvation. Here's what this is saying, okay? What it's saying is Jesus isn't content to just save us. He doesn't want us just to experience Jesus died for me. He saved me. My sins are forgiven. I'm right with God. He doesn't want us to just have a moment of that. He wants us to experience more fully what that is. Peter uses the language of growing up into salvation. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we grow and then we get salvation. It means he wants us to, you've got salvation. He wants you to grow up into it. It's like, as Peter says, a little child. A little child is born, and for you, those of you that have children or have nieces and nephews and are around them, your, your hope for them is not just that they stay as a child, right? I mean, it's great. Being a child is great, and you enjoy those moments with them, but what you hope is that they would grow, that they would one day be able to graduate, that one day they would be able to have a job and have a family and have a wife or a husband and kids and, and whatever else, that they would be able to grow up and be a cashier, right? You've got hopes for them, and you long to see them not just stay at a small age, experiencing life like that. And that's great, and there's a lot to be there in life, but every parent hopes that their child would grow and be able to experience all that there is in life. And Peter says that's what Jesus feels towards us. He doesn't want us to just stay here. He wants us to experience all that salvation has. And if you're a Christian, what the Bible says is that Jesus died to forgive us of our sin. It's gone. We don't have to bear that weight anymore. And he died to make us right with God, to actually bring us to God, to reconcile us to God so that we're no longer separated from God. And all of that happens in a moment. 
And the Bible calls that new birth or regeneration, that our hearts are changed in a moment. But he doesn't want us to just experience that one little taste, but to grow up into it, to fully experience all that he's done and all that he's brought us. And so he uses this language of growing up into salvation, of moving from here to here, not just individually, but even as a community. You see, what Peter's hope for the church that he writes to and what Jesus' hope for our church is we wouldn't just be a brick, but we'd be built up into a spiritual house. That over time, we would be a place that is beautiful, that would more fully experience the salvation of Jesus. And that's something we all long for, both individually and collectively. Wouldn't we say, man, wouldn't it be great if this community here more fully reflected, more fully represented who Jesus is? Yeah. And individually, we long for the same thing. So the question is this, how do we grow into what we long for? If we're here and we want to move here, both individually and as a community, how do I get to be Peter if we're asking Peter? Peter, how do I, how do I get to not just be a baby but to grow up into salvation? How do I get not to just be a brick, as great as a brick is, but to be a spiritual house? How, how do I get to grow up into that so I more fully experience all that Jesus has done? How do I more fully experience life with him, both individually and collectively? How do we grow into what we long for. And a lot of times the way that we attempt to do that is uh, by our efforts ourselves. So we look at our lives and we say, maybe I'm, you know, Peter mentioned things like malice and slander and gossip. So maybe I'm a kind of person that I look at and I go, man, I really want to grow over here. I've got malice and I've got slander and I've got gossip and I've got complaining and I've got discontentment and I've got all these different things and I want to grow. So I'm going to try to work on those things. But as you know, because we're in this series, that that's not the answer, right? We need other people in our lives to do that. Think for a moment, not even spiritually. If you want to grow in any other avenue, the best way to do it is with other people, right? I mean, we, uh, my wife and I, some of you know, went on this very intense diet for a year and a half. And it was to heal. I have gluten allergies, and this was to heal that. It was a diet that said, hey, we can heal you of that. And I said, okay, great. If I could have a beer again and a donut, I will do anything. A year and a half, no problem. So we did this diet, and my wife doesn't have any issues, any allergy issues. Um, she, doesn't have any, she doesn't have any issues, really, but she doesn't have any allergy issues uh, with food. Um, and so she, but she did it with me anyway. And we were recently um, in uh, California and went to this donut shop, and I ate a half a donut. And it was like this spiritual moment. I mean, I was just, I don't even know. I wish I could describe to you the feeling. I mean, go without a donut for six years of your life, and then you will know the feeling. And just, I looked at her, and I said, thank you. Like, you are amazing. I am so glad I married you, you know? And up until this point, I wasn't, no, but thank you so much, because I would have never been able to have done that diet, stick that out by myself. I mean, this is why people, you know, if you're married, you know this because one of you wants to do a diet one time, the other person doesn't. You're like, no, you have to do this diet with me, you know. You're doing it. Fine, I'll do the whole 30 or the whole 25 at least or something, you know. And you do it together. Or gyms. This is why CrossFit has taken off, right, in part. I mean, that it's, or Zumba class or whatever. I mean, all these things, it's people doing it together. I saw this video uh, this week on Facebook that 
was like, man, that's exactly. So here's just a just a short little clip that. Uh, will you just pause that? <laughs> it's going to keep replaying. I feel stronger just watching that, you know? I just, I just like, yes, I'm already stronger. Can you go back to the other screen and just pause it? Um, that, that is just kind of a great picture, though, right? Of, yeah, we need, if you want to accomplish something, even something like lifting, I mean, I, I would go to the gym every day if I had that, right? I'm like, well, I probably wouldn't, but I would get close to going to the gym, you know? If they're there at bed, like, wake up, come on, let's go, then I could do it. Um, they'd have to be with me the rest of the day. So that is what we need in our lives. If we're here and we want to go here physically, we need other people. You don't do diets by yourself if you want to be successful. You don't do working out by yourself if you want to be successful. Most of the time, we know, okay, if we're here and we want to be here, other people in our life is usually what helps us get to that point, right? But the same thing is true spiritually. The same thing is what the Bible says, of how do we grow into what it is that we long for? How, how, do, we, how do we move from here to here? And here's what, here's what Paul says in Ephesians of how the Bible kind of ties this together, of how spiritually, not just in weights, we move from one point to the other. And he says this, and he, talking about Jesus, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. And the saints is just the language the Bible uses for the church. So God gave some uh, offices in the church, some leadership in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So this building up, again, that language, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's painting this direction of moving to maturity, of moving for the church to become into the full stature of Christ, which is to say to more fully reflect and represent Jesus. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, that's the church, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So how do we grow into what we long for? If, if you're here spiritually and you long to be here, if as a community we're here and we long to be here, to more fully represent Jesus in all the different ways and all the different aspects and all the different characteristics, how do we grow into what it is that we long for? And oftentimes we try individually to do that. We try to work on ourselves, which isn't bad. That's okay. But we know physically, man, I need other people in my life 
to be able to diet. I need other people in my life to be able to work out. And spiritually, Paul says it's the same thing. That the way that God designed it, the way that Jesus designed it, was that each member within the church would be building itself up. That it would be building itself up. That one individual by themselves can't build themselves up. But what he says is, no, when everybody is working together, when everybody is speaking the truth in love to one another, they build themselves up into maturity, into the fullness of what Jesus has done. Jesus has, look, this is just the big idea. Jesus wants us to more fully experience life with him. Jesus died and brought us into relationship with God. He saves us. He forgives us. And he goes, I want you to experience the full reality of that. I don't want you just to know me a little bit. I want you to know me fully. I don't want you to just experience salvation a little bit. I want you to know all of it. And so how do we experience that? How do we get what it is that we long for? And what the Bible teaches is you can't do it by yourself. The way that happens is the body, the church, builds, we over and over and over again, the Bible uses that language of building up, whether it's in a, an adult, a child to an adult metaphor or a stone to a building metaphor or whatever metaphor it uses. It talks about us building up, not by ourselves, but the body works together to build itself up. That's how we move from where we are to what it is that we long for. If you want to just think about this, um, we all were, you know, taught growing up that peer pressure is bad, right? Or maybe you weren't taught that, but most of us were taught that peer pressure is bad because there's something powerful about a community. There's something powerful about other people in your life speaking into it to go in a direction but it's also a very positive thing. You see, here's, here's what I think the Bible teaches. And maybe this to you sounds a little uh, too far, but I don't think it is. I think community has more power to change us even than the Bible does. I think community has more power to change us than prayer or scripture or sermon. Because the people in your life are the ones that build you. The people in your life are the ones that build you into what you will become and into collectively what we become. I mean, who you spend time with is who you become. That's just true. How do we grow into what we long for? What Paul tells the church is this. The body builds itself up which means each person in the church has a responsibility to say, I'm here to build us into maturity. I'm here to build us into that thing that we all long to become. This beautiful temple, this beautiful spiritual house, this, this mature adult to more fully experience salvation that Jesus has given to us. What's God's strategy to make that happen? How do we grow into that? It's each other. It's each other. See, the church is a family. The church is a community. The church is a lot of things, but one of the things the church is is this place of transformation. One of the things the church is is this community that is bent on moving towards a more beautiful experience of what God has done. And we all share in that responsibility. You know this. I mean, if you think about your life, 
and you think about when, when is it that you've had a breakthrough spiritually? Probably wasn't just by yourself. When is it that you have experienced getting back on track when maybe you've wandered? It probably wasn't by yourself. When is it that you've experienced the most of growth, of moving to in the next place? It probably wasn't by yourself. How do we grow into what it is that we long for? Both physically and spiritually, what the Bible teaches us is it's each other. You don't get there by yourself, but the body has this responsibility to build itself up. And how do we practice building each other up then? What does that mean? How, how do we do that? If, if what Paul teaches here and over and over again in the Bible is, hey, we want to move to this place. The way that happens is one another. The way that happens is we in each other's lives saying, I will build you up. You will build me up. And together we will be built into something beautiful. How do we practice building? And you know what Paul says? He uses this language. He says this. Rather, this is in verse 15 of what we looked at, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So Paul says, here's how you do this. Here's how you grow up. Here's how you mature. You speak the truth in love. So he says, each member in the body participates in building itself up, in building each other up. How? Speaking the truth in love. So that idea, I'm going to talk about four different ways that we actually practice then doing that. Four different practices, and these are all very um, practical because they're practices. The first one is this. How do we practice building each other up? Okay, if the way we move from here to here, what we long for is to build each other up, how do we do that? What, is, how, what does that look like to speak the truth in love practically? Okay, first thing is this. We have to listen to each other. Don't raise your hand, but do you think that other people in your life are good listeners? Do you think that your friends are good listeners? And then, do you think you are a good listener? When you talk with people, do you really understand what's going on in their world? Do you really understand the emotional experience of their life, whatever it is that's happening? When, when you talk with people, do you really feel yourself entering into their situation and their world because you're actually taking in their life through your ears? See, one of the ways, if the goal is this, if Paul says, look, we need to build each other up into something beautiful. You, you want to more fully experience the salvation that Jesus has given to you? You've got to build each other up. Okay, how, how do we do that? Paul says, you speak the truth in love. But you don't know where to speak if you haven't listened. And so we have to listen to each other. Man, every one of us should be able to say, I need to grow in that. We should all be able to say, if you think you're a good listener and go, no, I don't need to grow in that at all, you probably really do. I think all of us do, myself included. Man, to actually be able to go, am I listening to people's lives? really hearing what's going on. I don't know where to speak if I haven't first listened. I don't, I don't know how to communicate. I don't know how to build someone up if I don't know where they need to be built, right? I mean, imagine someone going into a construction site and say, I'm here to build. And, you know, the contractor and other people, okay, let me tell you where, need. no, no, I'm just here. And you just start kind of hitting things and hammering things and screwing things in. And 
I mean, you would go, okay, that's going to be really interesting finished product, right? And sometimes we have that experience in our lives. People don't really listen to us, and they start saying, hey, you should do this, and this is, and you're like, oh my goodness, that's not even, we're not even talking about the same thing. So the first practice, give us four practices. The first one is this. We've got to listen well to each other. And here's what that really means, just on a simple level. It means we've got to ask questions. It means we've got to be interested. have got to start with just being interested in people. And one thing I find helpful is to say, how can I, in a conversation, move one step deeper than where we are now? That doesn't mean that somebody says, hey, what do you think about the Broncos? And you go, man, I think they're great. What do you think about Jesus? It doesn't mean that, okay? But it's just, how do I actually help my conversation? It doesn't mean chit-chat's bad, but just how do I help my conversations go deeper into actually understanding this person's world and what's going on and where their heart is and how life is and I mean, if we just always kind of have that question in our mind, it helps us to listen. If we say, how do I move one step deeper in this conversation? Not 10 steps, but how do I just move a step deeper in this conversation to really try to get more closer to what's happening in their heart and in their life and what's happening here? So that's the first practice. How do we begin to build each other up? In order to speak the truth in love, first we've got to listen. And second is this. And this is related, and then we'll, I'll talk about two speaking specifically. But the second is we have to think about how we pray for each other. So one of the most common ways in Christian circles that we speak is prayer. And we ask for prayer. If you're in a community group, most of the time during the community group, there's some portion of time that we ask for prayer or we ask to, uh, or, we, or we give prayer requests. And what I want us to think about here is if, if what Paul says is we need, to be, we need to be building each other up, and the way that happens is speaking the truth in love. One of the prime opportunities for that is during prayer. So think about this. Think about your last experience of asking for prayer for someone, from, from someone. And think about the last time you said, hey, I need prayer for this. Maybe it was in community group or maybe it was a friend. And you said, Here, here's what my prayer request is. A lot of times what happens is it stays at a very surface level. Sometimes it's actually very distant from us. And like my second cousin's dog's cousin is sick. Could you pray for my second cousin's dog's cousin once removed? And sometimes it's very, very removed from us. It's not even actually personal at all. And other times it's about us but we keep it at a very surface level. So we may say something like this, can you pray for my job? It's hard. That's not bad. That's a start. Or we may say, can you uh, pray for me? I've got family visiting and we don't have a great relationship, so can you pray for that? And, and that, that's expressing the situation that's happening. But part of what we need to do if we want to be able to build each other up in love is even change how we pray. Moving from just the situation to the heart in the middle of that situation. So maybe we would say something like this. Hey, can you pray for my job? It's hard. And maybe we would ask, can you help us a little more? What's hard about it? Well, and we would share. You know, I would like you to pray for situation, my job, but my heart in the middle of my job because of this. I, I really need other people to like me. 
and it's not going very well at my job right now. And so I get anxious when I go to work. So can you pray for my heart that longs for people to like me? Or, or maybe you're stressed out at work and you say, well, why? What's going on, not just in the situation, but in your heart? Maybe what you need prayer for is to find your rest in Jesus, to find your peace in him. See, all, all of those things are just saying, let's move from the situation that we find ourselves in to our hearts in the middle of those and ask for prayer around that. I mean, the things that we most need prayer for, the, the ways that we want to grow aren't just that we need all of our situations to change, but we need in the middle of those situations something for our heart, right? Because isn't that what we long to grow into, to be built up into? And so even when we ask for prayer, here, here's, the, here's the very practical, specific thing. When you ask for prayer, share, here's my situation, and here's what I need in my heart. Here's what I need to believe that the Bible teaches. Here, here's what I need to experience. Maybe it's, you know, just to use the family illustration again, that you know that you're going to be visiting family, and you say, man, it's really difficult. Pray for my heart, that I would love them like Jesus loves them. I pray for my work situation. It's, it's really difficult for me because I feel like I've got a lot of enemies there. And I know I'm supposed to love my enemies, and that's hard. Can you pray that I could love my enemies? Pray for our hearts, not just the situation to change, but our hearts in the middle of them. And when we pray, when we ask, when we begin to move to that place, don't you see how that opens up opportunities to then speak truth and love? Do you see how we can help build each other up if we're actually beginning to share not just our situations, but our heart in the middle of those situations? And when you pray, when you pray for someone, I find this very helpful. Let them know that you prayed for them. Let them know that you've been praying for them. Let them know what you prayed for them. When you pray for them, even in that moment, text them or, or email them and say, I just want you to know I'm praying. Not just I'm praying for you, but I want you to know I'm praying that you would even right now experience rest in Jesus as you prayed for. I know that you're with your family right now and it's really difficult for you. And, and I'm praying right now that Jesus would fill your heart with love for them, even though they're so selfish. Whatever it is, let people know that you are praying for them and if you were the one being prayed for, let people know what happened. A lot of times we don't do that, right? We, we ask people to pray for us and then, you know, hey, pray that I get safe travels. And then, hey, did, did you die on your, you know, travels? Or are you okay? Was it safe? How'd it go with your family? I mean, let people know, man, when I was with my family, I felt my heart filled with love for them. This week at work, I felt a deeper sense of rest. Or, or say this, man, nothing changed. Keep praying for my heart. I hate my boss. Pray for my heart to, to love him and see him with different eyes. I mean, let people know what happened when they prayed for you. So, specifically, this week, this week, if you're in a community group, when it comes time to ask for prayer, try this out. I mean, keep, keep doing it. Don't just do it this week, but this week. When you ask for prayer, say, hey, could you pray for this situation and my heart in the middle of this situation? And let people know. So first is 
listen. Second is prayer. Third is this. And the, the Bible has this word that we don't really use in um, a lot of everyday language, um, but is a word that most of us know, but it's the word exhort, which means to help somebody move forward, to help somebody see what they don't see. And if we're going to speak, if, if part of how we build up, if part of how we more fully experience the salvation that Jesus wants us to experience is that we build each other up into experiencing that. And the way Paul says we do that is speaking the truth in love. One form of speaking is exhorting. And the book of Hebrews says this. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Look what he says here. He says, look, here's what you're in danger of, your heart becoming unbelieving, which means there's great, beautiful truths about God, that he's sovereign, that he's loving, that he's caring, that he's gentle, that he's patient, that he's wise, that he knows best, that he's good, that he's, I mean, all of these amazing truths about God. And, and the writer here says this, look, your heart is in danger of not believing those things, of beginning to wander away from those things. Your heart is in danger of evil. Your heart is in danger of falling away from the living God. Your heart is in danger of being deceived by sin. One of the inherent qualities of sin is that it's deceitful. Meaning not that it causes you to deceive others, but it's self-deceitful. That you are deceived. I mean, we all know this. If you've ever done something and you start making justifications, well, it's okay because of this, and it's okay because of this, and it's okay... And one of the things that sin does is it causes you to deceive yourself. And you know what this author says that we need? You know what the Bible says we need? Not to just stop believing the lies or to stop having an evil heart or to be on guard against deceit. It says you are blind and you will always be blind. And the only way to avoid that is to have other people in your life. Exhort one another. Take care, brothers. So he's, he's speaking to the brothers and says, take care, take care, brothers and sisters, that word is. Take care that this doesn't happen, but it's not just a charge that leaves you to go fight harder and better by yourself, because you can't, because one of the things of sin is that it's deceitful, and you believe you're going the right way, and you're not. He says, take care, here's the solution, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. See, part of how, if we are here and we want to grow up to more fully experience all that Jesus is over here, if we want to more fully know all the benefits of life with Jesus over here, if we want to be built up as a community to more fully reflect and show and represent who Jesus is and what he's like, we have to speak truth to one another. And part of that speaking is exhorting to say, you may be deceived by sin. Your heart is not believing who God is. It's something we can't do by ourselves. Look, a lot of times what happens is this in our life. There's a decision or there's something we're thinking about. And you know what we do? Even kind of pretending that we are operating in community. We tell people, here's what's going on. We inform them. 
but we don't actually ask for their input. We don't actually say, hey, where might I be deceived? We tell them, hey, here's something going on in my life. Will you pray for it? But we don't say, here's something going on in my life. Help me see where I'm blind. I mean, even me saying that creates probably some fear in you, right? To go, how often do we actually approach one another and say, hey, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about this. Tell me what I'm missing. Help me see. I know that by myself I'm deceived. Speak to me. We don't usually do that. We, we may tell people, here's what's going on in my life. Pray for it. But we don't, we don't actually say, hey, help me to see what I don't see. I'm blind. I know it. We say, hey, I, you know, yeah, maybe it's out there, but I'll figure it out by myself. I'm just kind of informing you. I'm updating you, but I'm not really inviting you. Look, all of us want community. And we all want transformation in some way. We want to move from here to here. But when it comes to then accountability, when it comes to dependence on others, when it comes to invitation, we get scared. Don't we? I mean, can't, can't we be honest about that? We would rather let people know, here's what's going on. I'll make my decision. I'll figure it out, but pray for it. Instead of saying, what if, what if our posture was this? What if our posture really was this? I know that this verse is true, and I don't want to have an unbelieving heart. I don't want to fall away from God. I don't want to not believe the glorious truths about who Jesus is. I don't, I don't want to live like that. So help me. Help me every day as long as it is called today. Help me every day as long as it is called today to not be hardened. You ever felt yourself hardened? Your heart becomes dead to the things of God. You know why? Because of this. Because you didn't invite people to exhort you every day as long as it is called today. You may let them know some things happening, but you don't say, help me see what I don't see. Jesus wants us to be involved in each other's lives, to build each other up to something beautiful and amazing, to more fully experience the salvation that Jesus came to bring us. And he knows that in order to do that, we have to speak to each other. We have to speak to each other in love, which means we have to listen. It means we have to pray wisely. And it means we have to exhort. We've got to be able to speak and say, here's what, here's what you're missing. Let me help you see. So, so what about this? What about practically seeking this out? Not asking for people to just know and pray about something, but actually asking their input. Would it be a scary question for you to ask people this week in your community group or your LTG if you're in one of those and say, hey, where, where do you think I'm missing it? Where do you think maybe I'm wandering? What, what do you see in my life? Help me. I, I want to experience all that there is in Jesus. What if from now on we don't just inform people, but we actually ask for their input? What if we don't just update people, but we actually invite people? What if we don't just say, here's what I'm doing, but we say, here's what's going on. Speak to me. And we give them permission to do that. This verse says that's the only way we are actually built up. That we have to exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Otherwise, our hearts grow hard, we're deceived, and we may wander away. So speak the truth in love. Part of it includes this. And then 
The third, the fourth way of how we speak truth in love, of how we practice building each other up. The fourth way is this, we encourage each other. And this is my, one of my favorite verses on this in the same book. It says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, that's when Jesus returns, drawing near. So he says, let's consider, that's this thoughtful consideration, let's think about how we can stir each other up, that's another, kind of like build each other up, let's consider, let's think about, let's plan for, let's take careful thought of how we can stir each other up toward good and love to becoming what we long to become. Let's consider how we can do that to each other. Look, a lot of times we think, how can I become a more loving person? How can I grow spiritually? But how often do we think about the other person and go, how can I help them grow spiritually? How can I help them become who they long to be? How can, as a community, I, I help our community grow into what we're called to be? And he says here, let's consider, let's carefully think about how we can stir each other up toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. You have to beat it. I mean, this is like what he said earlier, exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. And he says, don't neglect to meet together. And then he calls some people out. You know, he doesn't put their names there. He's like, as is the habit of some. And then he moves on and says, <laughs> I love this just parenthetical statement. And then he says, but encouraging one another. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to encourage one another. So what, what does that look like? What does that mean to encourage each other? And part of what it means to encourage someone, part of what it means to, to stir someone up toward love and good works. See, this is a different verse than exhort one another, which is to say help each other see where there's sin in your life. Help each other see where you're going the wrong way. Help each other see where your heart is unbelieving and getting hard. Help each, this is different. This is saying, hey, help each other see the good. Help each other see what's good that's going on. Help each other see where God is at work in your life. This is calling us to a practice where we look at each other and say, you know what? I see God at work in your life. I see God moving in you. I see God doing things in you. And it's to encourage and affirm what is the good that's there to spur someone on further towards that. So, I mean, th- this can work in all sorts of different ways, but, but here's what it means as a practice to build each other up. It means we look, I've heard people say before, catch you know, someone doing good. So many of us have our eyes fixed to the faults and the complaints, and this is wrong, and this is bad, and this isn't good, and look at this thing, and look at that thing. But what if our eyes change to go, let me, let me look for good and call it out? Because sometimes we don't even see it. But, but what if we develop a practice of saying this? I see God working in your life. Man, you were so generous to that person. That's awesome. Man, you were so caring and thoughtful towards that person. That was great. Man, you were so sensitive. Man, that was very humble of you. Or even saying something like this, when, when even if somebody sins, we can say, thanks for sharing that with me, that you would confess that is a sign that God is softening your heart. to look for the work of God and to show each other. To say, I see God working in you. 
I see God moving in you. I see God changing you. I see God at work in your life. And let me help you see it. Why? It's because that's what helps build us up to go, okay, yeah, I want more of that then. That's part of how we grow is we speak the truth to each other. And part of speaking the truth in love, if that's the way we build each other up, is encouragement, affirmation, to be able to say, look where God is at work in your life. I see him at work. And sometimes we attach God language to that by saying, man, when I look at you, I'm reminded of God's kindness. Sometimes we can attach God language to that. Man, you are so generous to other people, and I'm reminded of how generous God is to me when I see your life. I see God's generosity. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want the attributes of God, who God is, his character to shine through us? Well, it is all the time. That's a reality. That's, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you, and all the time, the character of God is com- coming out of you. But it's so helpful to have other people look at you and go, I see the patience of Jesus in you. Thank you for helping me see more of God, who he is in your life. So sometimes we can actually use God language. We don't have to. We can just see, I see this. I see that. That's awesome. Part of it is thanking people. I believe we have the most entitled culture in the world. It's history. And so often, it's so easy to receive something and just go, oh, of course. Of course that should happen. If we just grew in thankfulness, that's another way to encourage people. Say, thank you so much that you did this. Thank you that you prayed for me. Thank you that you spoke this to me. Thank you that you helped me. Thank you. And written is always even better. Or verbal and written together. Or writing something and then reading it to the person is even better. Or a song. You could sing it to them. Maybe that's too far, except for Scott. Scott writes songs to me all the time, you know? Not really. But to encourage each other, to build each other up by speaking truth of here's where God is working. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing. I see him at work in you. You you know that The word of God is often more powerful in the mouth of somebody else than it is from ourselves. Meaning that we can look at our life and go, man, I I, I see God's love for me. Or we can look at our own self and go, man, I'm thankful that I was able to serve that person. Or or, or we can kind of think about our life and go, oh, I'm growing here. I see how I'm growing in patience. But when somebody else speaks and says, Man, I see this in you. You know, maybe you had a coach or a teacher or someone do that to you. And man, that's so much more powerful, isn't it? But that should become the regular rhythm. I mean, he's telling us here, look, we're supposed to do this all the time. How else are we going to be built up if a coach grabbing a kid and saying, you can do it, buddy, swing that bat or something, you know, whatever. And that changes his life. You know, most professional athletes say they at one time had some coach that said something to him. Man, now they're, you know, selling Nikes or whatever, right? We're not selling, well, I guess that would be the, fail, the failed one, but they're, Nikes are selling, whatever. Anyways, we need that all the more just in our lives. All the more. People to help us see the work of God in our life. People to help us see that all the time. So here's what 
I would ask us to do to practice this versus just risk being, risk feeling dumb or cheesy. What keeps us from doing this? I think it's fear. Fear of just feeling cheesy. Fear of somebody going, okay. Fear of a whatever. But start by risking feeling cheesy and dumb just to call out the work of God in other people. This isn't compliments. This is calling out the work of God in other people. So first, it just starts with risk being cheesy or dumb or whatever you feel like, that there's fear in there. And here's what I just want to ask us to do. And, you know, sadly, not everyone's here, so they won't, they won't do this. Send them the sermon. Tomorrow, I think, is tomorrow August 1st? Okay, tomorrow's August 1st. So here's what I just want to ask us to do. The month of August, every day, try to encourage somebody. Try to call out the work of God in their life. That might be a text. That might be an email. That might be in person. It doesn't have to be complex. You don't have to write a song. It can just be, thank you for doing that. That was generous of you. That was kind of you. It can be more specific. Maybe as the month goes on, get, get your muscles built up a little bit. You need that team behind you going, hoo, hoo, you know, and doing all that. That's all I'm going to do for that. And then uh, maybe you work up. to, say, to maybe, you, maybe you write a letter to somebody or a note. Maybe it's not even somebody that's presently in your life. Maybe it's somebody in the past. And you say, man, thank you. I see the work of God in you. Can we try to do this every day in August? This is the, how many days are there in August? 31. This is the 31-day encouragement challenge, okay? Sounds like something you listen to on Spirit, okay? Or whatever. What's the radio station called here? K-Love. That's what it's called in Seattle. <clears throat> K-Love, okay? Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I don't really, <laughs> I'm done. Okay, so encourage each other. Encourage each other. He says do it every day. Do it every day. We need each other to encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. As long as it's called today, as long as it's called August, let's encourage each other. Here's, 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 the, here's the reality. Every day, every single day, real life of people is unfolding before us. Sometimes we think in these big moments, that's when we'll be built up. Sometimes we think of, okay, how will I move from here to here? Or how will our community more fully represent Jesus? Or how, sometimes we think of these big moments, but every day real life is unfolding before us. And we have the opportunity every day to be involved in building each other up. That's, that's the reality. What, what happens when we do this? This is what I'll close with. What happens if we actually say, it's my responsibility. It's not somebody else's. It's, it's my responsibility to not just see myself grow, but to build others up. It's my, man, if I want to see something beautiful happen, if I want to see us grow into more fully experiencing the reality of the salvation that Jesus has done, the way that Jesus says it gets there is me 
and you and all of us together building each other up. Imagine the kind of community that that would actually be if we said, I'm not just thinking about my own spiritual growth, I'm thinking about yours. Imagine a community that really was radically committed to each other, experiencing more fully. If the person sitting next to you said, man, I want you to know so much of the salvation that Jesus brought to you. I don't want you just to taste it. I don't want you just to be a baby in it. I want you to grow into it. And, said, I, and I'm, I'm going to do everything I can for that to be a reality. I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to pray for your heart, and I'm going to exhort you, and I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to help you be built up to more fully experience what Jesus has done. This is how we become the person that we long to be. This is how we become the community that we long to be. And really, this is the basis of what true biblical friendship is. It is us helping each other move forward in the destination that Jesus has called us into. I love this final verse that says this. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Here's what this verse says. Jesus died for you. He saved you from wrath. In grace, he forgives you. He brings you into his family. Why? So that whether we are awake or asleep, meaning alive or dead, so no matter what, here's why Jesus did this. Here's why Jesus saved you. So you could be with him. So you could know him more fully. Isn't that amazing? Jesus doesn't just die to save you from a point, but to, to be with him. So that whether you're asleep or awake, you might live with him. To actually find life with him. So, therefore, since that's what Jesus wants for us, since that's what he wants us to experience, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you were doing. So it's this amazing, beautiful reality that Jesus died for. And when we take communion, that's what we remember. Jesus' body was broken, his blood was shed. Why? To save us, to bring us to him so we could have life with him. But he doesn't want just a moment of that. He wants life with him. And his strategy for that is to say, so therefore, build one another up into that to more fully experience that. So even as we take communion, let's remember Jesus wants so much more for us than a point of salvation, but a life of experiencing that. And we take communion together as a community to even say, man, we share in that responsibility to build each other up into more fully experiencing that. So let's pray and let's sing. Father, thank you that you have indeed given us salvation, that you have died to cleanse all our sin, to forgive us, to make us right with you, to give us a family. Thank you for that. Thank you that you don't want us to just have a, a moment of this. You don't just want us to, to escape from hell, but you want life for us. You want us to fully grow into and know life with you. Thank you that that's true, that that's your heart for us. You want us to become something beautiful. I pray, Lord, for our church, God, that you would help us to be a community that builds each other up. 
Help us to be a people that are not just concerned about our own growth, but about the growth of the person next to us, the growth of the whole. Lord, we long to become more than we are individually and as a church. We long to become more fully an expression of you and your presence and your body. And so God, help us to speak truth in love to each other. Help us to do that, Jesus. In your name we pray.